Welcome to The Tailored Quill. I'm Taylor Wilkins, and I hope you enjoy today's perspective. Hey everybody, welcome back. Do, do any of you remember studying the Krebs cycle in high school or college? If any of you do, you get major extra credit bonus points because you're a nerd like I am. But it's probably in biology class um, or chemistry. But the Krebs cycle, basically, if I can remember correctly, is the process that happens on the super microscopic level within our cells to where you know, chemical ions and, their, and molecules and everything interact in a very cyclical way to actually create the energy like the true, real, organic energy that we, that our muscles need, that our brain needs, and obviously that our body needs in general to just function on a daily basis. And I remember this distinctly, not only because we spent like two months on it in my biology class in high school, and we had to do projects on it, and we then had to, I think, draw the entire thing from memory for an exam. So it is burned in my memory. But also because it reminds me of something in therapy, a phenomenon that happens in mental health and in therapeutic treatment. So let me explain. Let me dive into this. The Krebs cycle, when it's actually illustrated, and remember this is just talking about chemical ions and like everything that's super, super microscopic in our cells. But as the Krebs cycle occurs, there are like three or four kind of ionic interactions or molecular interactions that occur before this little spurt of chemical energy is released out of the cycle. So just picture a big circle and then maybe like five or six times, if I recall correctly, around the circle, there are just these little extensions of energy as they blip out. It's kind of like a solar flare, kind of like when a you know, just burst of that like fiery energy explodes out of the surface of the sun. It just breaks off, breaks off from the circle. And so the Krebs cycles happen in this cyclical way where as it continues, and if it's working per perfectly and functionally, then energy just continues to get siphoned off and just gets distributed off to the side six times per cycle. I think it was six. Again, I'm just going to go with six. It was a long time ago. But the, what it reminds me of is when I was working particularly with suicidal youth, uh, suicidal teenagers or kids who were self-harming and wanted to be suicidal, what I would do is I would draw out cycles just like this. I would use versions of CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, and dialectic behavioral therapy. And I would draw out these cycles of events in their life that led to certain emotions. And when they felt those emotions, that led to certain thoughts that they had or interpretations of those emotions. And that led to an unfortunately unhealthy behavior or a reaction, a response. And we would chain it like that. And it was the first time in the, these kids' lives that they had ever seen or made any kind of sense of the really painful events that they'd experienced. A lot of these kids had experienced a lot of trauma, socially, sexually, physically, psychologically, whatever it may be. And, they, and the emotions were so big that it was hard to decipher. 
It was hard for them, of course, while they're in the fire of their emotions, to really see how one event led to the emotion, which led to the thought, which led to an unhealthy behavior, or led to an argument, or just led to something else that led to another event, that led to another negative emotion. So you see how it becomes cyclical, right? And they were able to chain all of these events over the course of years. And I was able to illustrate it for them in this cycle. Now, in these illustrations that I would do, oftentimes on a whiteboard, the parts that were like the energy <coughs> exploding off in the Krebs cycle was the moments where they chose to behave or react or act in a certain way <clears throat> in response to their emotions and the negative events that have occurred. And so in the Krebs cycle themselves, the chemical interactions are the event, the emotion, the people that were taking the, the people that were there, the emotions that they felt, the thoughts that they had in response to those emotions. And then the little solar flares is then the behavior, the choice that they made and it kind of shoots it off to the side. And so what I would do with these kids is identify all of those little solar flare moments, what I, I would call them choice points. Because the fact of the matter is, even though we have volition and we have the power to change our emotional patterns, and we change our thought patterns, we can change our beliefs, we can rewire our brain in lots of cool ways we don't have a lot of power over our emotional reaction. You know, there's the part of our brain, the hypothalamus and other parts in the midbrain that are wired to automatically react in certain ways and release chemicals in our body that we feel as emotions. So obviously the classic examples are like the flight or fight response. It's good that that thing's automatic because if there's an actual threat coming at us, we don't want to take our time to think about whether it's a threat. We want our brain to just say, hey, that's a threat, get out of here, right? And so we really have very little control over our immediate emotional response. However, what we do have control over is our behavior and our thoughts about those emotions. So the things that come after the emotion, we have plenty of control over. The trick, I should say the trap, that a lot of people get in, and they get into these negative cycles, these negative patterns and loops, is that they think that they can have control, they think that they can have control over the emotion. And they think that they need to focus completely on the emotion or changing the emotion uh, or stifling the emotion, or just doing something to the emotion. And that'll solve the problem. That'll stop the negative cycle, right? Or it'll reverse, it'll make it positive. But that's not the case. If any of you have ever stifled anger or suppressed sadness, you, we all know that it just gets worse. It leads to more tension. If you suppress an emotion, if you stifle an emotion in your body, you feel the energy, you feel the tension, you feel it cardiovascularly affecting you, 
it feels more stressful or the sadness might grow. You might get more angry. And so it's not, so everybody's focus or a lot of people's focus is on trying to control the emotion when really you can't. You can just witness what emotion you feel. The control you have is what comes next. The thoughts about that emotion, you know, how, how it makes you feel about yourself, what you think about yourself, the self-talk is what comes next. A lot of us are brutally hard on ourselves. And that's a choice. We feel an emotion and then we choose to be really hard on ourselves. I know from experience, I'm still really hard on myself. It's a constant, constant challenge. And then, of course, we also have the choice of how we behave after that thought. For instance, if a family member pisses you off, cool, you got angry, that's the emotion. Then you have a thought, maybe you have a thought about that other person, or you have a thought about this whole situation of like, that person's wrong. So then that's gonna dictate the choice you make to behave. So you'll act, maybe you'll act out against the person. Maybe you'll fight the person. Maybe you'll argue. You'll just scream really bad things at the person. Whatever it may be. We have total control over that behavioral choice. And so what was so powerful working with these kids, and what I suggest to you all, is that when you accept the fact that your emotions are very automatic, and it's very hard to proactively control them without a lot of practice and a whole lot of therapeutic work and awareness. The real freedom is just knowing, okay, cool, I'm going to feel this emotion, and then let's stop for a second and think about how I want to behave. Because that's what saves relationships. That's what helps you have productive conversations at work instead of <clears throat> negative <clears throat> excuse me, excuse me, negative arguments, show must go on, this is live, um, negative arguments at work. This allows you to advocate for your needs better. This allows you to go about your day with a whole lot less stress and anxiety and anger because you have so much more power and volition to change a negative or unhealthy pattern that you're in. A lot of people feel stuck these days. A lot of people settle for lives that they don't like and that aren't fulfilling. And they settle because they're, they are focused on the emotion. And if their emotion is so negative and they feel like they're just suffering on the daily, then they're not thinking that they can change their behavior or that anything's gonna be able to change. That's why people feel stuck. But if you see that there's actually three parts to the process, there's the emotion, there's the thought, and then there's the behavior, and you have a lot more control over the other two <laughs> than the first one, you can completely change your life. You can change how you view yourself. You can change the meaning of your life. You can relieve so much pressure and stress and pain and anxiety and the reason why this process was so effective with these, these uh, suicidal children that I worked with is because this process showed them at least four or five choice points where life could look different. And that's really all that we're looking for, right? That's really the only reason we 
care about personal development or think about mental health is because we want to know if life can be different in a positive and healthy way. And it's so hard to see if life can be different when we're stuck or we're feeling like we're stuck in really intense, overwhelming, or negative emotions, or we get really hard on ourselves. It's hard to see another possibility. And so if you become more aware of your emotions, but then take action to focus on what thoughts are come right after, as well as what behaviors you want to show that might be healthier and change the choice points, then your entire pattern gets broken. Your entire story gets rewritten. Your entire energy cycle gets changed for the better. Hey everyone, Taylor here. Thank you so much again for clicking and listening along today. As a reminder, if anything from this episode resonated deeply with you or relates to any stress or pain you might be experiencing, head to my website, the link is in the show notes, and contact me for a free full-length coaching session. Not only will we gain an enormous amount of clarity on what you're experiencing or what you're hoping to experience, but also we'll give you a strategy, like a first step, first little step that you can take that's going to make a huge difference to relieve your stress and your overwhelm and your confusion. So if you're interested in that and what we talked about in these episodes resonates with you, please go ahead and contact me to schedule your free session. In the meantime, take care, be kind to yourself, and I'll talk to you soon.